0: You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is April 1st, 2020. My name is Philip Rostenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Philip R underscore I know I said today I'd be doing my mailbag episode, but I'm going to delay that for our next episode of Locked On Magic because today is April Fool's Day. And by strange coincidence, I finally got around to listening to Bill Simmons' Book of Basketball podcast on Dwight Howard as well as the Rewatchables on Game 4 of the 2009 NBA Finals. And it had me thinking a lot about Dwight Howard's career and where things went wrong for him and why he wasn't able to kind of lift the team to that next level. And I think, I think it is worth, especially on a day like today... I think it is worth kind of revisiting sort of the, honestly, the tragedy that was Dwight Howard's career and and his time in in Orlando and and especially how things ended. So we'll have a long range, just long, you know, kind of wide ranging discussion about Dwight Howard's career on today's episode of Locked On Magic. But before we do that, uh, I do want to remind you that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network by searching wherever you download podcasts for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Uh, Just like there's a... Podcast covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail. This podcast covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you can only find uh, from a a local expert who knows their team best. The Orlando Magic are replaying their win over the Miami Heat on Fox Sports Florida tonight. So if you want to get the lowdown on the ladies with the Miami Heat, check out Locked on Heat. If you're looking for more Dwight Howard perspective, uh, I'm sure Locked on Lakers has some for you as well. Uh, And you can also check out Locked on Rockets, Locked on Hornets, Locked on Hawks, Locked on Wizards. Everywhere that Dwight Howard has played, if you're that so inclined to do so. No matter what team you're interested in, whether it's in the NBA, NFL, MOB, NHL, or College 2, there is a Locked On podcast for you. Check them out wherever you download podcasts. Just search for Locked On and the team you're looking for, the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. So, yesterday I was listening to uh, the Book of Basketball podcast, which... Uh, I I know some people aren't big Bill Simmons fans, but I I would I would recommend this podcast. I think I think Bill does. Uh, I I, lo- I love the book of basketball. I thought it was really informative and an interesting take on on basketball and NBA history. Um, uh, it's certainly very well researched, and you know some of it in Bill Simmons' style of research, but but still very very good. Um, and and I I love how he's kind of extended that out to continue, you know, really evaluating basketball over the last 10 years because, um, you know, so much has changed. I mean, when the Book of Basketball came out, uh, the, the Magic were in the finals. It was, it was just after the 2009 NBA Finals and so much uh, of, really of our perception of basketball has changed uh, in, in the last 10 years. Um, and, you know, as they mentioned, again, and I, I especially these two episodes, I really do highly recommend for, for Magic fans, uh, especially the 2009 Finals team, that was a preview of what basketball would look like. Um, you know, I, I'm, I I I have watched 2000, the two thousand nine uh, Finals Game Four over again. Um, I actually did a podcast on it. I believe two years ago. It's it's in the archive somewhere. I, I, I've, I've I, I can I can load up the the link or at least the article that I wrote about it on OrlandoMagicDaily.com. dot um, that team was, was hugely influential on the way the rest of the league plays today. And, and I, I don't think that we should ever forget that, that the 2009 Magic were really the first team that proved you could hit three-pointers and win at a high level. Um, honestly, I would argue that one of the, the great flaws of that 2009 Magic team going up against the Lakers was Dwight Howard fouled Andrew Bynum out of the first quarter of every game in that series, it felt like. And so the Lakers had to go small. They had to move Lamar Odom to the four, and that that beat the Magic. That 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 as much as anything beat the Magic. But the the overarching conclusion that that Bill Simmons comes to, and and it, it has merit. I, I think it is. I think it's 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 spot on. That Dwight Howard really wasn't a leader, um, and it took him a very long time in his career to realize that, um, and, and realize you know. Kind of, and and, and mature in a lot of ways. And and his immaturity is certainly a a big story of his career. But Bill Simmons pointed to game four of the 2009 finals when Dwight missed two free throws with the Magic up by three. Now that would have essentially clinched the game and tied the series at two. That led to a a cascading domino effect of bad events. Or as part of this domino event. Of bad events that eventually led to Derek Fisher hitting the three pointer, the the infamous three pointer uh, to win ga- to send the game to overtime. Um, he he believes that that was the turning point, the kind of the watershed moment in Dwight Howard's career, as close as he ever got to a title, the game in his hands and he let it slip through. Having watched Dwight Howard. For his entire career in Orlando, you know, I've I, I, all of us in Orlando watched, watched, watch and followed that team. I've probably seen more Dwight Howard than anyone else in the world. And you know, as much as I think he still pains a lot of Magic fans with with his exit, and, and I will talk about that coming up. As much as it pains everyone how his exit went, I I am still a, a Dwight Howard defender. I I still. I I want to protect his legacy here in Orlando Um, because he does have a legacy. He does have a very important legacy here. I I would argue he is, if not the best player in Magic history, he is the second best player in Magic history. He's one of the most impactful players here. And despite the still kind of nascent anger about the way he left, and, and, and again, his immaturity is a big part of his career and his legacy. Despite all that nascent anger, I am still convinced that when the time comes, the Magic will ha- have him in the Magic Hall of Fame, which they absolutely should. And I would hope that when the time comes, when his career is over, when you know the bad memories wash away and the good memories remain, that Dwight Howard gets the cheer that he deserves for eight incredible years—the the best, honestly, the best eight-year stretch in Magic history. But that's not what the argument is going to be today. Well, we'll have that argument on another day. To to me, the 2009 finals wasn't the turning point for Dwight Howard. To me, everything in Dwight Howard's career and everything in the way Dwight Howard carried himself and really magic history fell apart in the 2011 season. The 2011 season is, to me, the watershed moment for Dwight Howard. It was the moment when I think he came to realize he wasn't going to win in Orlando. It was the moment he came to realize that anything he did was never going to be enough to silence his critics. And I think it is the moment in time where basketball stopped being fun for Dwight Howard. When the seriousness of the game of the pressure, got to him. And I think it's the moment where Dwight Howard really stopped being himself. Being what made him great. When you're a young, budding star in this league, everyone loves you. Those first three, four years in the league, you can do no wrong. You are nothing but potential. But when you get that first taste of the playoffs, when you get that first opportunity to win something real, that's when the pressure begins to build. The 2009 finals was probably the first time in in Howard's basketball career that he really confronted failure. Yes, the Magic lost in the uh, 2007 playoffs and the 2008 playoffs, but they were still a team kind of on the rise. If anything, they were ahead of schedule. And coming out of those series, they weren't expected to win any of those series. Coming out of those series, everyone was like, this Magic team, you know, they need to go through these hardships. They need to understand what it's like to go up against championship teams, and they will grow and get better from it. And they did, of course. And they absolutely did. The 2009 finals, though, when you're in the finals, when you're in that final series, you are so close. It doesn't matter if you put up a good fight. Uh, you know, half of that Game Four, two thousand nine rewatchables is is our, our guy Kevin Clark. You know, resident Magic fan at the Ringer, arguing that that series was close, that the Magic had a real chance to win the championship that year, and in fact, you know, I, I think that they did. I think it was a close five game series but I absolutely think the right team won I think the Lakers were the better team that that, that series I thought Stan Van Gundy got severely outcoached um, and, and everything that went right for the Magic in the first three rounds of the playoffs suddenly went wrong in that final series that the right team won maybe it could have gone six but the Lakers were the team that won uh, again that's I, I feel pretty confident on that but Dwight Howard had the game had the series in his hands and at 23 years old Even coming out of that series, people thought the Magic are here to stay. They've got a unique style. They've got one of the best young players in the league. They're here to stay. Even as Orlando shifted and changed their roster in 2010, they were just as good, if not better. And they got to the Eastern Conference Finals. But that's when all the doubt and all the questions came in. Before the 2009 playoffs... Sports Illustrated ran a cover of uh, uh, to preview to preview the playoffs, and the cover to that to that issue asked, "Too much fun? Can the Magic's dunk machine get serious for a moment?" And to me. This cover, and, and part of that, and, and that story, which, which was written by Chris Ballard, you can still find it on SportsIllustrated.com, to me, that totally encapsulates Dwight Howard. Because no, he shouldn't get serious for a moment. He shouldn't have to conform to what his critics say. But unfortunately for Dwight Howard, those are the voices he listened to. And despite some success, despite some change and some understanding, Dwight Howard never lived up to their expectations. All right. Well, before we dive into a little bit more about Dwight Howard, you know, we all want to be as fit as Dwight Howard was in his magic time. So to get fit in 2020, you don't have to join a gym or pay a ton for overpriced fitness equipment. The best way to get in the best shape of your life is with Echelon. Go to echelonfit.com to discover their EX1 connected fitness bikes that offer a high quality at-home cycling experience at at less than half the price of a Peloton. Echelon makes beautifully engineered products for everyone, busy moms and dads, people stuck in quarantine, first responders and elite athletes, whatever your activity level. And, while the daily live and, studio cl- and with daily live and on-demand studio classes right in your home, you'll never have to step foot in a gym. You'll love Echelon, but if you aren't 100% satisfied, we will give you your money back. Well, I won't. They will. Join the hundreds of thousands of men and women who are getting fit with Echelon today. Don't pay a ton for Peloton. Buy an Echelon bike today for under 1000 $1,000. Go to echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A to learn about their limited time, limited time free Apple iPad and complete details of this exclusive offer. Echelon, it's your time. That's E C H E L O N fitcom dot com slash L-O-N-B-A. Echelonfit.com slash L O N
0: B A. This is Jake from Locked On. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know what?
1: One of the things I think is a misnomer about Dwight Howard's career is that he wasn't enjoyable to watch. Yes, his postgame was clunky and mechanical and wasn't kind of the, the classic, uh, classic post game that you want that you saw from guys like Hakeem and Patrick Ewing and even Shaq. But I always believed that people were always put pushing, you know, narratives and pushing ideas onto Dwight Howard. They were all trying to mold Howard into the player they wanted him to be, or into the ideal of what they wanted. And no player publicly at least was as harsh on Dwight Howard and of course Patrick Ewing was Dwight Howard's coach but um, no player was as harsh on Dwight Howard as Shaquille O'Neal. I mean Shaq Shaq you know on TNT I think does make good points on several occasions many, on many occasions and many things. But I always felt like when it came to Dwight Howard and you're seeing this a little bit with his criticism of Joel Embiid that he still expects centers to play a certain way. Like he says, "Oh, a center should average 32 points per game. You could get 8 points every quarter on, you know, two putbacks and two post-ups. You know, one, you know, one in transition, one post-up, you know, one putback. You should be able to get to 32 real easy if you're a center." And again, it, it doesn't reflect how the NBA's changed and and how strategies have changed and frankly, the skill level of centers. I'll give Dwight Howard this in defense. Nobody threw a better entry pass than Richard Lewis, except for maybe Hito Turkalu. And having those two guys throwing him really good passes into the post helped him get deep post position. But criticism of Dwight Howard's game was pretty immediate and pretty ubiquitous uh, among the national media. Again, big one was his post game was too clunky and mechanical, which it was, uh, not, not an advanced post game. Another one was, you know, he. Block shots out of bounds and smile at you while doing it, which okay, maybe he did, maybe he didn't learn the art of blocking a shot in bounds. But honestly, watching those games, and and I think, uh, I, I think Joe House uh, on one of the podcast, one of the podcasts for Book of Basketball, made this point. It's just like, you know, early in the game, if you swat a shot three rows deep into the to the first row into the into the crowd, you are aren't you setting an intimidation tone? Honestly, first quarter. First couple possessions, I didn't mind if Howard goaltended a shot. Because it set a tone for the rest of the game that that you're not coming into the paint. If you come into the paint, I'm going to swap this shot. Now, yes, maturity is a big issue with Dwight Howard. There, There is a, t- you know, I, I, I the, the thesis here is that Dwight Howard didn't, need to conform to this. He didn't need to be serious. He didn't need to be what everyone wanted him to be. And he listened to these voices and these criticisms and took them to heart and tried to change who he was and and by the end of his time in Orlando he wasn't having fun anymore. He was so it felt like to me watching him it felt like he was so consumed with the vision that everyone else had for him, that he didn't realize and that that everyone kind of didn't appreciate at the time how good he was already. You know, top five player in the league. Perennial all-NBA player. Three-time Defensive Player of the Year award when it was all said and done. A dominant force that carried two, frankly, terrible Magic teams to... Into the playoffs, into home court advantage, and you know maybe couldn't deliver you the win in the end, but was sure sure as hell going to give you a chance to win at the end. And again, Howard was always looking for that second star. And again, there's something to be said about that. I, I feel like Howard's maturity deserves its own own segment. So we, we will talk about that there. All these criticisms really came to a head in the 2010 and 2011 seasons. That's when you saw, to me, basketball become serious for Dwight Howard. And that's when Howard started to fall. The 2010 season, like I said, arguably, and in my opinion, better than the 2009 season. The Magic had the experience. They had the mission. They had the laser focus of getting back to the finals, of getting back to the finals and winning a championship. They, everyone knew they were cha- they were championship material. Everyone was gunning for them, and they still pushed everyone away. You know, we we talk about this a lot. They went, I think it was forty-one and eight over their last. They, they were like thirty-three and eight over their last forty-one games of that season. They swept through the first two rounds of the playoffs, and Howard was just dominating everyone. That You go back and watch those, that Magic Bobcats series, a, sw- a four-game sweep, and it was ugly. Not a lot of scoring, both very good defensive teams. And Howard just dominated the Bobcats. They couldn't get anything going. And the Magic blew through that series, and then they get to Atlanta, and Howard's just destroying a young Al Horford and destroying everyone that Atlanta throws at him. But then the Magic get to the Celtics, a team that very much had championship pedigree, very much had that killer instinct. And all the sort of frame, you know, and, and the magic were kind of easing into this, easing into everything. You know, they 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 had this, this very, you know, energetic air about them. They did the dunk shows before games, and 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 everything was very, very loose. And, and when the magic lost game one and lost game two, you could begin to see the trust fray. Howard was fantastic in that playoff series against the Celtics. Vince Carter certainly fell short. Uh, Jameer Nelson stepped up big in, in game four to save that series, and then again in game five to send it to, to game six. But it was the first time, really, the Magic could say in Dwight Howard's career. And maybe not the first time, because his rookie year, you know, the, the, I think they thought they'd make the playoffs. The second, the second year, they made a little push at the end. It was the first time in Dwight Howard's career that, that you could ultimately say the Magic did not live up to expectations. The Magic failed. And of course, when you are the star player, the media narrative is you failed. The star failed his team. I remember, I think it was, at, it was before either Game 2 of that Eastern Conference Finals series or, or before Game 3 and certainly in Game 5 when the Magic came back home, that the Magic stopped doing the dunk show. It seemed like they, they understood this this wasn't the time to be goofing around. But maybe it was. or, or maybe it, whatever he had to do to get loose, even if it looked like goofing around, you know, maybe that's what it was. But in any case, Dwight took the you know Dwight and, and Vince Carter for sure, took the blunt of the criticism, the brunt of the criticism after that series. But Orlando still had the same team. They still had all that potential. They were another year older. Uh, you know, these were failures to learn from. But that 2011 season was doomed from the start. But doomed from the start, not because of Dwight Howard. Everyone wanted Dwight Howard to develop a post game. They wanted him to be a dominant low post player, and 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 and. and tear everyone up inside. And in 2011, that's exactly what he did. He averaged a career-high 22.9 points per game, added 14.1 rebounds and 2.4 blocks per game. He finished second in MVP voting to Derrick Rose and honestly, in my opinion, should have won it. And that's partially biased. LeBron probably really should have won the MVP that season, but that's either here or there. In the playoffs against the Atlanta Hawks, he averaged 27 points per game and 15.5 rebounds per game. Howard did his job, and if you go back and watch his highlights from the 2011 season specifically, that was as advanced as Howard's postgame got. He had had he had moves and counter moves. He really put the work in that summer and had his best individual season. And yet it wasn't enough. Throughout the podcast with Bill Simmons, they talk about how his post game never developed. and honestly I, I don't think that's true. I think he did develop a post game in, in 2011, and he had a breakout season. He honestly did things that I hated because he was so determined to be a post-up player. the magic would run straight post-ups or he would just turn and seal. Instead of trying to get him moving on cross screens or get him kind of the ball in motion so he could get deep post position where his power and his strength and his athleticism could take over. If he was posting up from a standstill position where he had to square up and try and break the guy down, that wasn't going to work for him. That's not his game. But in 2011, he did that better than he had ever done in his career. He honestly, in 2011, go back and watch the tape. In 2011, he was that player. And yet, it wasn't enough. And yet, the criticism still came. And yet, by the end of the season, Howard looked defeated. Things frayed throughout the course of the season. During a road trip uh, in, in December, Howard Howard scored 30, 30 points against the Portland Trail Blazers, really carried the team and kept them in, in, in that game. And after the game, publicly called out his teammates for, for not playing hard. By the time the Magic returned home from that road trip, They'd made the trade. And you know the trade I'm talking about. The one that ruined the Magic's future. Gilbert Arenas for Richard Lewis. Uh, Hito Turkoglu returning with J- Hito Turkoglu, Jason Richardson, Earl Clark for Marcin Gortat, Michael Petris. The Magic were flailing to try and keep Dwight Howard. And by the end of Game 6 against the Atlanta Hawks, an upset playoff loss. You could see the burden wearing on Dwight Howard. You could see just the frustration already on his face. I remember I remember seeing people's comment, this really could have been Dwight Howard's last game in a Magic uniform. The future was becoming more clear. The Magic's championship window had closed, and the team and Dwight Howard didn't have enough to get over the top. That, to me, is probably the most frustrating realization. And of course, that summer, Howard would be separated from the team by the lockout and kind of kept away. And honestly, I think that's when all the voices got into his head about where to go next. To me, that 2011 season, Howard tried so hard to be what other people wanted him to be. And he did a as good of a job as he could. But you could see just from the losing, from the frustration of not being able to satisfy people and satisfy critics and be liked, you could see it wearing on him. And honestly, that 2011 season and certainly the Dwight Mayer season in 2012, basketball wasn't fun or didn't seem fun for for Howard. Basketball became a serious business. And honestly, I think that's what killed Dwight Howard more than anything else. More than anything, I think Howard lost the spark of joy. Not the passion. I I I I I think he worked his his tail off. You know, the guy, the guy I think had a really good work ethic, but I think he lost the passion and joy that made him so special, that made him such an impactful player. And I think that's the story of Dwight Howard. is his inability to know when to listen, when to ignore, when to be himself, when to have fun, when to be serious. The critics, the noise, the pressure of being in a championship series really got to him and changed, changed a lot of who he is and a lot of how he saw himself. And I think that's what ultimately brought his downfall, and brought the Magic's downfall with it. Like I said, Dwight Howard's story is a tragedy. In uh, social media age, people wanted him to be Shaq, and and Howard invited those comparisons by doing the Superman thing, and and, and being on the Magic would invite those comparisons too. They wanted him to be Ewing, his coach. They wanted him to be Elijah one, someone that he went out. But I think Bill Simmons is right in analyzing Dwight Howard that way. Howard wasn't those guys. Among the 90 centers, he was Dikembe Mutombo. A Hall of Famer, one of the best defensive players of all time. Guy who honestly ha- had a lot of joy when he was playing on the court. Howard wasn't a leader. But he had to carry the weight of the world on his shoulders. And eventually, it crushed him. Of course, it wasn't just all about that. And that's kind of the last bit of Howard's legacy that has to be mentioned before we sign off today. There can be no discussion of Dwight Howard without mentioning the elephant in the room though. As much as I think a lot of Dwight Howard's legacy was his inability to rise to the moment, rise to the biggest moments, his his frustrations of trying to become what other people wanted, it all leads back to Dwight Howard. And and he and while I I defend him vigorously and I hope I've defended him vigorously here in saying that that a lot of what went wrong with him was just people not accepting who he actually was and accepting the player he actually was or trying to transpose their views and their narratives onto him. The fact of the matter is Dwight Howard is still responsible for his own legacy. He listened to those voices. He listened to Shaq saying, oh, you got to be this. He listened to the national media saying, you've got to do this. People didn't get his gimmick and his shtick. And that's also part of his legacy. But on the court, Howard tried to be something he was not. And and yes, growing your game is important, and he did. Again, 2010-2011 were two of his best seasons after the 2009 Finals. He responded to the failure of the 2009 Finals exceptionally well, at least statistically. Did he lead his team? Did he put, pull his team higher? No. But that's really not the role for centers, especially centers who struggle with free throws. And you can question whether Howard actually worked on and improved his, you know, tried to improve his free throw stroke. You know, Shaq never really did. I mean, I think, I think people, I think honestly, critics of Dwight Howard sometimes, again, they they put their own narratives onto what they wanted him to be, rather than appreciating him for what he is. And, and honestly, I I think we all fall into this trap, especially around the draft. You know, I, I always tell myself around draft time, I'm not going to focus on what a player can't do. Like, I will acknowledge a player's weaknesses and his flaws, but it, it's just as important to understand what a player does. And with Dwight Howard, I think the criticism and the conversation around his career and his legacy all focus on what he could not do, on what he struggled to do. And it's because everyone had this idea of him continuing this legacy from the 90s of classic post-up players in a time where the post-up was dying. Um, A really interesting conversation they have on the Book of Basketball podcast is this thought of, did he come too late, too soon, or just on time? And in some respects, Howard came just on time because he was the biggest physical specimen uh, in that era, so he could dominate in the way that he could. But in a lot of ways, he came too soon. If he, you know, again, and maybe he was the spark of this change with the way the Magic used him, but... If he was just told to pick and roll, defend, and rebound, and that was the expectation for him, Dwight Howard would have been the model. He could get out and defend guards. He was a defensive, he's the best defensive center that we have seen in this league in a very long time. He is he is a surefire Hall of Famer. But again, expectations for what he was supposed to be and what he was supposed to do made the narrative of how people ask questions about him and what they wanted from him. Now, Howard absolutely deserves blame for a lot of this. It is as much about Howard's immaturity that led to, led to the problems in Orlando and, and really led to the problems throughout his career and led to the problems of how he viewed, viewed and talked about his own career and what he wanted to be. To me, it, you know, and I, I don't know Howard personally, I did interview him a few times when I was covering the Magic, but to me, when I, whenever I observed Howard, I got the sense that, that he was always a people pleaser. He wanted everyone to like him. That is all he cared about. He is not a natural killer. He is not someone who's going to go out and step on your throat and kill you. He, he wants to smile during games. And I, that rubbed people the wrong way because, you know, sports can be a very macho world. And, and, and anyone who isn't the stereotype of what they think— again they reject immediately. People hated that Dwight smiled on the court. People, you know, people lionized Kobe for for his iron will. Dwight was in that series just as much as he was and had a great series at that. But Dwight wasn't a killer. Dwight wasn't a guy that at least put out this vibe that he was going to beat you down. He wanted to have fun. Is that so wrong? But Howard's problem was knowing when to put that, have fun and be serious. He never found the right balance for it. When he tried to be serious, he was too serious and and took away all the fun and joy that made him so spectacular. And when basketball became serious for him, I think that's when things fell apart for him. He tried to be what other people wanted him to be too much and was not himself. And you could tell, you could see with the way that he interacted with teammates, you could see with how he carried himself on the floor, it, it, it felt all very performative. He, he was trying to be someone he wasn't. But beyond that, you know, Howard didn't really grow up from, from all accounts. I mean, you could see with the, the trail of teams that he's left behind him since leaving Orlando and how he hasn't really ever found his place. He's always thought of himself as the guide. That, you know, get me post-ups, get me post-touches. That's the only way I'm going to be good. Because he has it in his brain that this is how he has to play. Because he wants to please everyone. And eventually, in trying to please everyone, the whole Dwightmare to me was an exercise of Howard trying to make everyone happy. He wanted to make the fans in Orlando happy where he grew up. He wanted to make his business interests happy. He wanted to... You know, there. I think there were people pulling him in the direction to leave Orlando and and to to go to Brooklyn or go to a bigger market. He was trying to make them happy, and in the end, he made nobody happy. And honestly, I would probably say that Howard, most importantly of all, didn't make himself happy. The immaturity for Dwight Howard extended well beyond the basketball court. Um, and 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 I d- I don't feel the need to discuss that. But if, if you know Dwight's story and you know some of the ins- some of the implications of his personal life, that 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 there's definitely a sense of a, someone who is still very much a kid, especially in this time in Orlando. Uh, and it's taken him a long time, I think, to to grow up, to kind of come to that realization of what he is and his place in the league. And I, you know, maybe it was inevitable. Maybe a fall, maybe a crash was inevitable. Maybe he was never cut out to handle and deal with the pressure of championship basketball. He had the talent, but maybe not the mental makeup, to really play at that highest level. Honestly, like I said, I think he lost a bit of himself. I think he tried so hard to be what other people wanted him to be that he was never really himself and to be a millionaire at 18 years old and to have everything kind of fetted on you he didn't really have to go through the kind of the adversity and go through kind of the hard truths of growing up of maturing and 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 knowing what things are serious and and what things you can joke with he never really again found himself because he was always being pulled apart in so many different directions and in this way you know, I, I think about this all the time. In some ways, as as fun as the two thousand nine finals run was, it was a burden. It's a little bit of a curse. You know, maybe the Magic needed one more failure. I I would tell I would tell my friends at the time, the Magic are ahead of schedule. I didn't have them competing for finals till twenty ten, maybe twenty eleven. I thought that they were still a, a year away. They needed one more playoff failure to to really understand what it would take to get there. And frankly, maybe to understand that they needed to go get another player to 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 take them over the top. Then again, there are always the stories of how other players just didn't want to deal with Dwight Howard. You know, I've heard stories about the Magic trying to acquire Chris Paul and Chris Paul not wanting to play for Stan Van Gundy first first of all, but also not really wanting to play with Dwight Howard to begin with. Um, I've I've heard story. You know, there's there's plenty of stories that they, that they talk about from the 2008 Olympics of how nobody really wanted to deal with Dwight Howard. At the end of the day, as the league was becoming chummy and players were, you know, frankly, coordinating their next moves together, Dwight Howard was left out of the group, and it wasn't because of his talent and it wasn't because of anything else. It was a lot about a lot about his personality. And again, it's it's Dwight not understanding perhaps the seriousness or when to be serious and finding the balance between being the fun guy, carefree guy that he is and understanding when it's time to kind of pay attention, shut up, do your job. That was always the balance that Howard struggled to find. And In the carefree days early in his career, it was easy to be the fun guy. When it was... Championship time, when it was time to start winning, he didn't know how to be himself while still being that fun guy, while still being serious enough. And of course, Howard didn't help himself along the way. Again, the Dwight mayor to me was Howard trying to please everyone. And ultimately, I think, the disappointment of Howard's career was not that he didn't please expectations or didn't please how other people saw him. To me, Dwight Howard's career and Dwight Howard's legacy is that it never felt like he pleased himself. That he never lived up to his own expectations or to the player he wanted to be. Because frankly, I don't think he ever defined it. And that might be the final word on Dwight Howard. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, find us on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find me on Twitter at Philip MD, And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. You can follow us there on Twitter at Daily. Also, be sure to check out the latest episode of Fan- Locked on Fantasy Basketball on the latest episode Josh Lloyd looks at players who had one fantastic fantasy basketball season and then disappeared into the ether forever. You can find that podcast wherever you download podcast. Just search for Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Plus, this Sunday, Fox Sports Florida will re-air the Orlando Magic's win over Dwight Howard and the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, and we will be watching it again live. I'll have more details on that coming up this weekend, but... Mark off your calendars. Seven o'clock. Uh, we'll be we'll be rewatching the Magic's win over the Lakers live here on the internet. You'll be able to interact with us as well. So definitely, definitely, definitely mark off your calendars. I'll have more details on that coming up later this week. Follow me on Twitter at philiprrmd and at oMagicDaily to get the latest info on that. But that's gonna do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. Of course, follow. Uh, you can of course download us wherever you download podcasts. Until next time, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Wright. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic.
0: You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.